0: good morning family good morning morning. how are you this morning you're not convincing me how are you this morning well not everything is perfect right are you tired of COVID? i am too and you can ask gabby this week i was going down the rabbit hole just thinking about it how's affecting our lives how's affecting community how's affecting relationships and man, that's not a, a good road to, to start going on. Otherwise, you will you will enter that spiral. Um, but I'm sure that just as me, you're also, sometimes it's hard to understand and to figure out exactly what is going on. Um, but even throughout this these times, I believe that God is speaking to us. God has never abandoned us during times such as these. And we can always receive from the Lord what we need. But well, we need to live day by day. Sometimes it's not so productive to think for about the future, about every single plan, about every single outcome. It's good to trust in the Lord in the day of today and trust in his faithfulness for the future. And I love how this message series that we're at, the, this message series called Face to Face, we're learning so much about Jesus, I believe. We're learning so much about what, is, what it's like to be in a relationship with God. And one thing that I've learned so far through the message series is that Jesus didn't shy away from anyone. Jesus had no problem meeting with the extremes. He, meet, uh, he met with the extreme righteous, like Nicodemus, but he also met with the extreme unrighteous, like we saw recently with the Samaritan woman at the well. In fact, Jesus looked at people very differently. His disciples were mostly illiterate. They were non-sophisticated people. And if I ask you this morning, what kind of people do you like to befriend? What kind of people do you like to hang out with? You want to be, you prefer, I imagine, to be with people that... um, Have accomplished something in life. You want to be around people who inspire you. You want to be around people that have good looks. You want to be around people that dress well. Well, Jesus did exactly the opposite. And if we want to be more like Jesus, we need to spend more time with people that are different from us. Even people that disagree with us. It doesn't mean that we have to agree with them. It simply means that We want to be like Jesus, and Jesus didn't shy away from anyone. Every time Jesus was criticized for doing this, for being with people, that according to society, they were unworthy of Jesus, his answer was this, like we read in Luke. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. So if you think that we have it all together, that we don't need to be saved, that we don't need help, then Jesus didn't come for you. Jesus came for the insecure. And one thing I've learned throughout my life is that everybody is insecure. We might just be a bit late to acknowledge it, but studies have shown that we all have at least three different basic needs as human beings. Significance, security, and acceptance. And uh, on our Bible study that we did on this Wednesday morning at church, it was through these three points that we saw how important it is for us to build our identity. It's in these that we find our sense of worth. But how the world and society and culture determines value is false. Value is not determined even by this world, or just ourselves, but it is God who determines our self-worth. And here are some false ways we judge our worth before we go into the story. First one is appearance. Appearance asks, how do I look? And if I look good, I must be valuable. If I don't look good, then I'm not as important. And society has an industry that works always towards this um, this mindset. you know what, what is its name? It's called Hollywood. It means that if you're gorgeous, if you're stunning, then your ideas and what you think is important. But the problem is, there aren't as many stunning people in this planet. Most of us are very normal, very average looking, except my wife, she's gorgeous and amazing. But the rest of us, well, we're just average. We're never going to be super attractive. And even if you are, the fact is beauty will eventually fade away. Anyone want to give a testimony on this, on how beauty fades away? No? Okay, good. So that's why the Bible tells us our self-worth is not based, it cannot be based on our appearance. It cannot be based also second on affluence. Effluence asks, what do I own? This is the myth of materialism. If you have much, then you're worth much. If you don't have much, well, you're not worth much. But the best advice that we can have is to not put our self-worth in the things that we have. Otherwise, when society is going through a recession, we will go into a depression. And we see this happening time and time again. People uh, tend to go down that road that all of their wor- worth is based on what they own, but the Bible tells us that our the, our va- our valuables and our value have nothing to do with each other. The greatest things in life are not things thirdly it 's achievement achievement asks what have I done and We all love to feel accomplished. We all love to get things done. And when we do so, we feel good about ourselves. We feel good when we're promoted. And and just on Thanksgiving, we heard stories about people who got promoted at their jobs. And that's beautiful. That's amazing. It means that something is working well. We're receiving trophies, trophies. We're being honored by other people. But if we think that our value comes from that, then this mentality will produce workaholics. We're trying to prove that we are worthwhile. But the problem also with achievements is that they will always be surpassed. Every single world record that you may think of, every single thing that you do at your workplace, someone will come around and break your record and do it better than you. And when we find someone that does something better than us, if our self-worth is based on our accomplishments, our achievements, our self-worth starts going down. And lastly, we all try to build our self-worth through approval. How well am I liked? And if I'm liked a lot by people, then I'm worth a lot. But if I'm not liked a lot by people, then I must be worthless. But this is not true. And many of us have tried to gain approval by someone who is not willing to give us. Sometimes it's even our parents. And we spend our times in our lives trying to prove them wrong and trying to get them to approve us. But bad news is that if you haven't your parents' approval by now, most likely you will never get it. But the good news is that even if they don't approve you, your self-worth doesn't need to be based on their approval. Your happiness doesn't depend on somebody else's approval. Because some people will necessarily just reject you. So these are four very unstable, very unreliable sources of self-worth. And if we build our self-worth around these four ways, we will be devastated every single time we get criticized, every time we're short on money, every time that we fail. And some other studies have shown that a healthy self-esteem is usually deeply linked to the most important person in your life. How the most important person in your life deals with you, treats you, thinks about you. And that's why it's a really good idea to have Jesus as the most important person in your life because his love for us is never conditional. There is nothing that we can do that will make Jesus love us more. There is nothing that you can do in your life that can make Jesus love you less or any less. The only solid foundation for self-esteem is understanding how much you Matter to God. You matter to God.
1: And when you acknowledge
0: this, this will set you free. So we're going to read in the Gospel of Luke and we're going to look into this story of a face to face encounter with Jesus that happened when he visited Jericho. And large crowds were following Jesus, and he had an encounter with this man named Zacchaeus. He was the most hated person in that town, for sure. So let's read together. Luke 19, verses 1 to 10. Jesus was going through the city of Jericho, a man there named Zacchaeus, who was the chief tax collector, and he was healthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but he was too short to see above the crowd. So he ran ahead to a place where Jesus would come, and he climbed the sycamore tree so he could see him. When Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. I must stay at your house today. Zacchaeus came down quickly and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to complain. Jesus is staying with the sinner. But Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, I will give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone, I will pay them back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, salvation has come to this house today. This man is a true son of Abraham. And I, the son of man, have come to seek and save people like him who were lost." One thing that we can learn from this story straight away is that Zacchaeus, he struggled in three out of these four ways that we usually build our self-worth. He struggled with appearance. The Greek word used for short means body of undeveloped child or abnormally developed body. So he wasn't just short. Short. He had a physical problem in his growth and development. Now imagine growing up like that. Imagine all the names other kids at school would call you. And kids can be more cruel and mean than adults. He he must have been called every single name of the book and cruel nicknames most probably. In terms of approval, zero. He was a tax collector, not just a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector, which means that at that time, he was probably the most hated person in the town. No one wants to be friends with a tax collector. Do you want to be friends with the person who is collecting tax from you? Never. But the problem is that the Romans tax system was corrupt to the core. So in this time Judea was taken over by the Romans and the Romans would choose Jews that would collect tax from the people. And as long as the tax collectors would pay the the amount that the, the government established, they could collect anything they wanted from the people. Not only that, but everyone else in order for, to get that job, they first had to bribe the local authorities. So it was a corrupt job uh, from the beginning until the end, and it, the Bible says and shows that he was wealthy, which means that all of his income most probably came from lots and lots of corruption, wh- which he later admitted. So basically, he worked as a mafia extortionist. And for Jew to become a tax collector, It was considered to be treason. He wasn't allowed to go to the synagogue anymore. He wasn't even allowed to go to church back then anymore. He was cut from normal society. His family didn't want to have and couldn't have anything to do with him. He was about the same class as a murderer. In terms of achievements, Well, when we read this story, we see, yes, he was wealthy, but Zacchaeus wasn't proud of his achievements. He got wealthy by stealing. And you can't be happy and guilty at the same time. You can't find achievement by cheating others and then enjoying everything that you have. You cannot give up integrity and have integrity and harmony inside of you. So he lost all of his self-respect. He was a lonely person, an unhappy person, He was hopeless, but on one single day, his life turns 180 degrees. Jesus shows up walking through Jericho and of all the people Jesus pays attention to, he chooses the most unloved, disrespected, unworthy person in this town. Zacchaeus, he was a corrupt government official that everybody hated and everybody loved to hate. But he comes down that tree to meet Jesus. And the story shows us four truths that I want us to leave this place with. For you to finally understand how much your life matters to God. How much you, every single one of us, matter to the Most High God. The first lesson is that no matter how insignificant I feel, Jesus notices me. Zacchaeus was wealthy, but he was lonely. But there, and there was something attractive about Jesus. So he figures out a plan to see him. But in order to, to see Jesus, because of his stat, stature, he did what no Middle Eastern man ever did. And especially a wealthy man would never do. The first thing he did was running. The Bible says that he ran to see Jesus, but no Middle Eastern man that had any sort of self-respect would run in public. Running was a behavior that only slaves had. But second, he climbs up a tree, again, something that no Middle Eastern man would do in public, not only because of their garments, but because of how everybody else judged them. So someone who did this publicly was losing their self-respect before others. But in Luke 19, 5 says, when Jesus came to that place, he looked up. Jesus looked up. When Zacchaeus was going to get only a glimpse of Jesus, Jesus notices him.
1: And imagine
0: the thoughts in Zacchaeus' mind, I'm insignificant. But Jesus is paying attention to me. Jesus knew exactly where Zacchaeus was. And I don't know where you are right now in your life. Maybe you're on the top of a tree financially. Maybe you feel rock bottom where no one can reach you. But the fact is Jesus knows you. He knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly how you feel. He made you. You wouldn't even exist if God didn't plan for you specifically to exist. And you may feel all alone. You may feel that no one understands you, but you are wrong. Jesus knows who you are and he is paying attention to you. He knows your past. He knows your present. He knows your future and he has his eyes on you. The Bible says in Luke 12. God even knows how many hairs you have on your head. Don't be afraid. God pays attention to detail. You know that the best expression of love that we can demonstrate is attention. By giving, give, by giving someone else time. Because your life is time. And every time that you spend you will not get back to yourself. So the best gift that we can give to our children, the best gift that I can give to Jay, the best gift that I can give my wife, the best gift that we can give to our neighbors and family and friends is not money. It's time. It's paying attention. And Jesus is the one that values you so much that whatever it is that he is doing, he's being called by so many people in that crowd, but he chooses to pay attention to you. He chooses to pay attention to us. Second lesson of this story is that no matter who ignores me, Jesus knows me. Jesus doesn't just notice, notices you. He knows exactly who you are. Jesus said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. Jesus called him by name. He had never seen Jesus before. He only heard good things about him. He was probably the the most, uh, he was the most hated person in that town. No one would probably even call him by name. You know, what is the meaning of the name Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus means clean. Zacchaeus means pure, exactly the last thing this man was. So Jesus is calling, hey, pure one, hey, clean one. He meets the the biggest sinner in that town and he calls him pure. Jesus calls us by name. Jesus is affirming who he created Zacchaeus to be, not who Zacchaeus was at that moment. We base our self-worth on how we feel today, on how we believe of ourselves to be that day, based on our achievements, based on the things that we did. That is how we build our self-worth. But Jesus doesn't treat us that way. Otherwise, some days we would just be blessed and be poured with blessings and different things and our life is perfect. And other days when we fail, Jesus would just do his best in order to make us suffer and fail. But our Lord and Savior is not someone that changes his mind about us because when he looks at us, he sees who he created us to be from the beginning. That's why you and I, we can never disappoint God. Are you here with me this morning? You don't have the power to disappoint God. Because God doesn't have false expectations from you. God doesn't believe about you things that aren't true. He knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly how you feel. He knows exactly your struggles. He even knows the things that you are going to fail in the future, never mind in your past. But he knows you, and he believes in you, and he knows who he created you to be. And even if you're the biggest sinner, Jesus calls you, hey, clean one. Hey, pure one. Because that's how I see you. That's how I created you to be. So before we go and treat people how we believe they deserve, we need to treat with people the way that God wants us to be if you treat a child how they how they deserve to be treated they will never sum up to anything good but if you start treating a child projecting to them what you believe that they can become in the future most likely they will measure up to your standard they will get better in life because you're treating them with dignity with grace with mercy that they don't deserve but they need And that's exactly how Jesus deals with us. Isaiah chapter 49, starting in verse 15, says, Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? Even if that were possible, I would not forget you. See, I have written your name on the palms of my hands. When Jesus was crucified at the cross, they nailed nails on His hands. He got scars. And He says, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. This is how He loves us. One day we will all be in heaven, and the Bible says that we will have glorified bodies. This body that is decaying, that is losing the good looks. Gabby tells me time and time again that I'm getting better at age. I, I choose to believe her. But, but if Jesus delays and I'm alive for a while, this body will start to decay very badly. But the Bible says that in heaven we will have glorified bodies. I don't have to be concerned about my appearance anymore. But the Bible also says that in, Jesus, in, in heaven, Jesus will still have his scars. In his glorified body, Jesus still has our names engraved in his hands. Pastor Rick Warren, he paraphrases this verse and says, God has your picture in his wallet. Not that many people use picture in wallets these days. I know my parents do. I know a few of you do. what was just showing us his family in the wallet because it's the place that you will always want to remember them. God has your picture in his wallet. He remembers of you. He knows you and you are valuable to him. Third lesson is that no matter what I've done, Jesus wants me. No matter what I've done, the past. No matter what I'm doing, even today, Jesus wants me. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. I must stay at your house today. Zacchaeus came down quickly and welcomed him gladly. Zacchaeus had a guest. It had been years, most probably since anyone wanted to join him for dinner. Zacchaeus was very aware that he didn't deserve Jesus in his life. That he didn't deserve to have Jesus in his home. But Jesus is the one that takes initiative. Come down. How long do you think it took Zacchaeus to come down that tree? (laughs) One second. He jumped right away. The best news he could possibly receive, Jesus. Jesus wants me. This blew his mind up. We all have shame in our past. The Bible says in Romans, all have sinned. All have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. Zacchaeus is not the only short guy. We all fall short. We don't measure up to our own standards how much more to the standards of the most holy, the most loving, the greatest God. But Jesus is more interested in changing us than condemning us. Jesus says in John 3, God sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. Jesus came to save, not to condemn. And I know many Christians, and I sometimes fall in that category, many times we spend so much time judging other people. Not just judging, condemning people. We condemn the world. We condemn society. We condemn culture. We see all the bad things that are happening, and and we feel so self-righteous. How is it possible? But God so loved the world that he didn't send a politician. The problems that we're facing are not solved by laws. I'm really sorry. And I know that some of you have a passion for law. I got into law school when I studied. I love law. But one thing we have to understand that we do not change people through law. People need a change in their hearts. And there's only one person that can do that. That's why we don't need to spend time condemning people, condemning society, condemning every single thing that is wrong. We have to preach about Jesus and talk about the one that can change people from within. Jesus told the story of the prodigal son. How many of you know that story? Show hands. If you don't know, please do read. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus told this story that a son left his dad. He took his part of the inheritance and he left the house even while his dad was still alive. And he spent all of that money in luxury and lust and women and most probably in women, all of it. And he ends up working at feeding pigs and barely surviving. But the father in this story doesn't, Just tell his rebellious son, hey, you may come back, but first you need to get a bath. First, you need to get rid of that smell. First, you need to get rid of those clothes. First, you need to get rid of this and that. No. The Bible says that the moment that the father saw his son coming up from the horizon, that the father started, what? Running. No wealthy, no self-respected Middle Eastern man would ever run. But the father run to his child. He ran to his child. And it's not just he was so eager to give him a hug again and to receive him again. But in the Jewish culture, if anyone in his family would ever see him again based on exactly what he did, they had the right to approach him and they would, they have a name for it, it's called uh, kazaza. Don't ask me if I'm pronouncing it right. But a member of his family would approach him with a vase and in front of him would shatter it down in the ground and it would say, you are cut from your family forever. Because this prodigal son brought immense shame to his family. And anyone who caught Him first would have done this to Him. But the Bible says that the Father, our God, our Savior, the moment He has a glimpse of you coming to Him, the moment that you decide to turn away from sin, turn away from anything of that life that you need to be leaving behind, He runs at you. He takes all the shame that you had in in yourself. He takes it to himself. No matter what other people are doing, I'm going to run to you and I'm going to embrace you. I'm going to receive you. And through my love, your life is going to be changed. You don't need to change first the way that you look. You don't need to change your habits. You don't need to change anything. Come to me as you are. Because with my love, I love you so much that I'm not going to leave you the way that you are. But I'm going to receive you just the way that you are at right now. When God forgives us, he takes away our shame. The moment that Jesus calls your name, you don't have to be embarrassed. You don't have to think all about the wrong things that you did in your life. You just have to accept that he loves you regardless of anything that you had in your past. When God forgives you, he takes away our shame. You are valuable to God and he wants you. And he says, I love you just the way you are. But I love you too much to leave you that way. I was reading this week again from Pastor Rick Warren. And he told the story about a time that he went into a prison to speak to 6,000 people at the prison felonies. And he was before all these 6,000 men, and he took a $50 bill with him. And he asked those prisoners, who wants this bill, this $50 bill? How many hands do you think raised in that room? All of them. Who, no one is, is stupid enough to reject the $50 bill. Of course, we all want it. But then Pastor Rick Warren, he, 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 uh, how do you call it? He, he crippled, crumbled, he crumbled that note. He just crushed it and, and with his feet as well. And he picked it up and he said, who wants this $50 bill? How many hands raised up? All of them. Then he took up the rail and started ripping co- the corners and ripping different parts of the bill. And then he asked everyone, who still wants this $50 bill? Then he stumped stumped it, and then he completely um, mistreated. He even spat on that bill. But then he asked again, who wants this $50 bill? And everyone would still receive it. Because when you recognize the value, no matter what It's happening in your life, no matter how people treated you, no matter the words that your parents said to you, no matter the opportunities that you've missed in life because people have misjudged you, because people were racist, because people just simply didn't want to have you in their lives. It doesn't matter what happened to you. It doesn't even matter the things you did to yourself. God still sees value in you. You are valuable to God. Jesus came to give his life in order to save you. And no one can take away that love from from your life. Jesus tells Zacchaeus, it doesn't matter what you did. I have come to have a relationship with you. Yes, you've done terribly, but you need a savior. You need me. And as we said before, God doesn't save proudful people. God doesn't save people who think they have it all together. He comes to save those who know, who know are lost. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and eat with you. And you eat with me and I want to invite the worship team to come as we finish this morning but the fourth thing that we learn from this story is no matter what others say about me Jesus affirms me no matter what others say about me Jesus affirms me others may criticize Others may misjudge you, but Jesus affirms you. Jesus says, I want to go to your home. Zacchaeus' reaction was immediate. But the Bible says that the crowd goes nuts. All the people saw this and began to complain. Huh. Jesus, this Jesus... This savior, this good man, is eating and staying with a sinner. But Jesus defends this guy from the religious, from the self-righteous people. And he calls Zacchaeus. He is the true son of Abraham. Zacchaeus is one just like us. He is one that God loves. He, he is just like any of you. Before others are able to condemn you, Jesus will run at you. He will come to you. It's really hard to not to not allow what other people say about us affect us. But many people will condemn us. Many people judge us and not give us the right opportunities, not give us what we deserve, but hey, that's why Jesus died in your place. He was the one that had all the right reasons to condemn you and to reject you, but he chose not to. And if Jesus, who has the right to condemn us, doesn't do it, no one else has the right Condemn you, no matter who they are but we need to respond to Jesus the same way Zacchaeus did immediately and this morning Jesus is calling your name he is calling you by name he is not saying the things you did he is calling Zacchaeus received Jesus with joy with so much gladness I mean his heart must have burst he said my name have you ever been in a room with lots and lots of people maybe it was at school, maybe it was at your workplace but when something good happened that was in front of so many people if you have ever had that experience in life well I can tell you it feels really Great. In immense crowd lots of people, all of a sudden, people are saying your name. You can't. It's not logical. It's not intelligent to say no to someone that loves you this much. He loves you. He wants you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And then Zacchaeus said, and we're just finishing, then Zacchaeus said, I'll give back twice. I'll give back to the poor, half of my possessions straight away, I'm going to give to the poor, and if I have cheated someone, oh, well, well, duh, of course you have. I'll give four times as much. This is how you know that he was converted. Because the most selfish men in that city became the most generous most generous person. When Jesus has changed and saved our lives we drastically need to stop thinking only about ourselves but it's a mark of someone who was transformed by Jesus. His, How can I help other people? How can I be the answer from God to other people? Our attitudes Towards giving changes completely, you become generous, and this is just a public demonstration. Jesus told us, "If you believe in me, be baptized," and that's why we still, two thousand years later, still baptize people because you want to publicly demonstrate that Jesus had, ter- has turned your life around. You're a different person. You have different priorities. this change and I don't know what you're going through today but I invite you to jump out of that tree Are relying on appearance if we're trying to look more important than we actually are you know if we are trying to earn as much money as possible because we think we're going to buy our happiness you know if we're just dedicated to feel accomplished because so many people have said that we would never make it in life and we're just trying to prove them just waiting for something to